Presented by Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we hope that you guys had a very excellent New Year's celebration and that we are all looking forward and feeling optimistic about the year ahead. We are feeling very optimistic about helping you with your home improvement projects, your home decor, your remodeling, your reno projects. If you've got one that you're planning, one that you're thinking about doing, or one that maybe you tried last year and put off for a while and need some help getting it going again, give us a call because we would love to help. The way to get in touch with us is by calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit, or posting your question at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, adding radiant heat to your home's floor can provide a very comfortable and energy-efficient home, not to mention stopping that shock of setting foot on a cold floor. First thing in the morning, it's awful. We're going to highlight two systems that can work for both new and existing homes. And if you have a wood-burning fireplace or stove, you know that gathering and chopping firewood is hard work. Well, that hard work can be undone all too easily if you don't store that wood properly before you toss it into the fireplace. We're going to tell you how. And are you tired of feeling, well, tired? You know, for many people, the shorter and colder days can bring on a case of the blues that can impact your mood, your focus, and your energy. So we're going to share some of our energy with easy DIY pick-me-ups that will help your spirit just ahead. But first, what's on your New Year to-do list? What's this project that you're thinking about getting done this New Year? Maybe you're dealing with a repair or you're dreaming about a renovation. Consider us your coach, your helper, your home improvement therapist, whatever it is. We are here for all things remodeling to core and fix up post your questions at moneypit.com or call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT let's get started leslie who's first ready to talk about basements we've got charles from maryland on the line what is going on um i got a problem um with water coming in over a uh, new uh, french drain system that was put in the house was re remodeled and the french drain system was put in the basement seven years ago, and um, about a year and a half ago, uh, all of a sudden we started getting water coming in on certain rains, uh, rains that either wind, involved wind, or in heavy downpours, uh, that is like coming in on the top of the floor, mm-hmm. um, and okay. I can't figure that out. Um, I eliminated one, one thing, there was a drain pipe that came around from the back of the house that had garage roof water coming through it right and that seemed to take care of some a problem during the summer but mm-hmm. uh recently uh in two storms that were um heavy downpours we had uh you know water come in and i'm talking maybe um maybe six maybe 30 gallons of water mm-hmm. total on the floor mm-hmm. That's that, a lot. that yeah. i sucked up well it is but i sucked it up with the um, wet back right Okay. Yeah, which which and probably have, holds five gallons, and you had to do that yeah. six times. <laughs> Correct. Yes, you're right. And 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 I did put mulch up against the house um, the mm-hmm. last uh, the last time this last time yeah. happening. But the problem is, is that the water coming onto the floor I noticed was uh, had a black dye in it, 
mm-hmm. which is the black dye from the mulch. Right? Yeah, I think you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. First of all, whenever you have water that gets into a basement consistent with rainfall, it is never, ever caused by rising water tables. And rising water tables are, is really the only reason that you would need a French drain system. Mm-hmm. So the reason that the water is getting in has everything to do with the drainage conditions outside. And it sounds to me like you're sort of attacking it a little bit, but there's some component of it that's missing. So let's kind of step back and cover the basics. First of all, you need to make sure that your gutters exist on every eve of the house. Secondly, they've got to be absolutely clean. They have to make sure, including the downspouts, you have to make sure that you have enough downspouts. You need one downspout for every 600 to 800 square feet of water, so you can try to maybe, of roof surface, sorry, so you can rough that out in your head. And then every single one of those downspouts must, must, must be discharging at least four, five, six, or seven feet away from the house. Right. It can't. Okay. It can't be draining anywhere near the foundation. Those first few feet of soil have to be kept as dry as possible. Now, if that's done and done perfectly, the only thing left is the grading. You add mulch to try to address that, but mulch doesn't really address it because that's kind of like laying sponges around your house. <clears throat> what you want to do is use clean fill dirt, not topsoil, and not mulch. Clean fill dirt, least expensive dirt you can find. You can order some up from a from a, a landscape supply house have a small truckload of it delivered, and you want to add it to the foundation perimeter, and you want to slope it so that it drops six inches over four feet. Mm-hmm. So you have that slight slope. to Now, once you get that in there and it slopes, it's tamped in there well. You can use a hand-tamping iron to pack it down. After it slopes properly and gets in there, uh, then you can add some mulch on top of that to prevent erosion, or you could put a little topsoil over it and plant grass seed in the spring. But you've got to take care of those the gutters and the grading, and that's going to do it. Uh, uh-huh. You can prove this to yourself if you're still if you question it. The next time you have one of those very severe storms, you know, throw on your galoshes and your rain gear and go outside and watch what's happening with that water. Right. And I bet you you're going to see something is overwhelmed or overflowing in some place that you didn't expect, and okay. maybe even in a couple areas. And once that water gets in around the foundation, it can connect with the with the concrete slab, and we've seen it pop up you know, 10, 20, 30 feet away from the source. In fact, Leslie, I'll never forget the time that you was early on in our career when when you came home from a trip and And found... stepped into a very squishy basement floor. And it turned out, was it a ball or a toy or something that had blocked one downspout? No, it had disconnected in a buried downspout. So the downspout went into the ground and completely separated from the connecting point that then redirected all that water. And it just was ponding in this one area. And I guess it completely, though, came into the basement in another part. Yep, just finds its way over. So that's what you need to do. Focus on that drainage, and that's going to solve this for you, Charles, okay? Okay. All right. All right. Thank well, good you. luck. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project, and let us know how you make out. I will do. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Now we're heading over to Patty in Illinois, who's got a toilet that is running constantly. Tell us what's going on. Well, it doesn't run constantly, but it runs about five seconds, you know, several times an hour. And it's gone to the point that uh, my water bill has gone up quite a bit. And I'm needing to know if I need a new toilet or if I need new seals or a new handle pump or what would you think? It's actually an easy fix. And I mean, this tends to happen kind of regularly. You know, unfortunately, people don't realize that there's actually some level of toilet maintenance because, you know, it's just an appliance in your house that's there and you use it and you expect it to work. But inside the tank itself, there's a fill and a flush valve. And those need to be replaced 
that often, but, you know, every couple of years or so. And, of course, now that you're dealing with this water running issue. Um, Tom, is it Fluid Master? Yeah, Fluid Master is sort of a mainstay of, uh, of replacement valve parts. And, you know, they just wear out patty over over time so this is a pretty easy fix and i mean it's probably 10 bucks to get both of them but if you go to fluid master's website the only reason i recommend that is because on their website they've got a really great how-to video so you can actually see what the fill valve is what the flush valve the flapper valve so you know exactly what you're looking at and how to replace it and it's a really easy do-it-yourself project that you can you know do confidently and you know definitely decrease your water bill thank you that that sounds wonderful i appreciate it and thank you so much for uh, taking my call your show. You're very welcome, Patty. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Dave in Prescott, Arizona on the line who's got a question for us. What's going on at your Money Pit? I've got a 1,300 square foot upper deck um, and I don't want it to leak to the lower deck, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of area, obviously. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they put cool deck on it like 18 years ago or 17 okay. years ago yep. when they built the house. Okay. You know, cool deck like a pool. Yes. And um, it's it, we had 33 inches of uh, snow two years ago. It broke all the, the seals from each uh, piece of plywood. Did you file a homeowner's insurance claim for that because it was brought on by the storm? It seems like you could have. No, I didn't. I didn't even think of that, to be quite yeah. honest. Yeah, well. The problem is it was screwed down with, like, deck screws. Yep. But the um, cool deck over top of it, you can't get the screws out. Right, yeah. I've exactly. tried a Sawzall. I've tried just mm-hmm. about everything. I don't want to screw yeah. the beams up. They're not rotted, but the, the plywood is actually rotted. Mm-hmm. And it's plywood. It's not that OSB stuff. Yeah. Now, tell me about this deck. So you say it's 1,300 square feet. That's a heck of a big deck. What's underneath it? Is there living space underneath this? No, there's not. There's a porch underneath it. Okay. And we don't really want it to leak down to the porch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was doing a wood deck really anywhere in the country, I would be using fiberglass on top of traditional wood deck sheeting because fiberglass is incredibly durable and 100% waterproof, whether you had living space under it or not. Now, in your case, uh, you know, you're over a porch, you know, it's outdoor space. It certainly is sort of like living space. It's not, you know, it's not your bedroom or your bathroom, your living room, but it still needs the same kind of protection. It needs to be completely waterproof. And the situation with you, that you find yourself in is, in is because it wasn't put down right to begin with. It's, it's kind of hard to figure out how to fix it because you can't get to the problem where it's where the problem that caused it in the first place. Uh, let's go back to my comment, though, about homeowner's insurance, because if this was caused by a storm, it's a one sort of one point in time where this failure occurred. You can, might still be able, if you're with your same home insurance company, you might still be able to get a claim here and, and have them rip the whole thing off and replace it, start from the bottom up, because frankly, that's what has to be done. Yeah, all the, uh, the joists underneath are fine and all that. Right. When was the storm? It was two years ago. Well, you know, you might want to have a conversation with a public adjuster to see if they uh, think there's an opportunity to claim it. You can say that it, you know, it's something that revealed itself over time, but it was caused by that storm incident because it really has to be taken completely off. And if I did that, in my case, I think I, I would go with a fiberglass deck and not the structure that's there now because I would want to do it once, do it right, and not have to do it again. I wish I had better news for you. We can't improve 
a project that wasn't done right to uh, to begin with, Dave. Does that make sense? Well, I know it went through inspection and all that stuff, but, you know, that's, like I said, 16 or 18 years ago. Yeah. Um, maybe it was proper or whatever, but fiberglass will give that much. Fiberglass is incredibly durable, yeah. We use it all all the time here in the Northeast. It can take the snow. It can take the heat. It can have a, uh, a texture put into it so that you're not slippery. So I would definitely look into that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I never, I never thought about fiberglass. All right, well, give it a shot. Dave, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Well, for many of you, one of the most unpleasant steps that you can take in your home is onto a cold floor with bare feet. And that's just one of the reasons adding radiant heat to your floor is a great idea. 
Not only does it stop toe shock, that's right, so we're going to call it, it's toe shock, but it can actually make your entire home more comfortable and help cut down on your energy bills. Yeah, that's right. So there are two types of radiant heat, hydronic and electric. Hydronic, of course, being hot water radiant heat and electric being electric. So deciding what kind is best comes down to installation and energy efficiency. So first, let's talk about hydronic radiant heat. You can use it throughout the house. It's very effective. It's extremely efficient. It's usually installed into a tracked floor. So there's a subfloor that has grooves in it. There's a special type of plywood that you can lay PEX in that's cross-linked polyethylene. That's a new kind of plumbing pipe. Uh, and then that PEX is covered with a regular subfloor, and then your finished floor goes on top of that. And that means that the entire floor surface is radiated upward and keeps you very, very warm. Of course, because it is uh, requires pretty much replacement of those floors, it's usually best for a new house or a new addition. Now, if you just want to do a small area of your home, like, say, your bathroom floor, electric radiant is the way to go. Perfect for that supplemental heat in the bathroom, maybe under the tile in the kitchen. It's much more expensive to run. It's not very efficient, but... It could be a good choice for those contained spaces, especially when you couple it with a programmable thermostat so it only runs when needed, like, you know, when you hop in the shower or first thing in the morning, you can put it on a timer. The installation is pretty straightforward. There is usually a mat that is laid down under a finished floor like a tile, and the mat is sized for the space in the room. It is wired to a circuit and a thermostat, and it pretty much just runs like any other electric heating circuit from there on out. So hydronic or electric, both Good systems for warm floor heating, one mostly for new construction and the other for just an update of an area like a kitchen or a bath. Marsha in Illinois needs some help getting a window unstuck. Tell us about it. I have a window over my sink in my kitchen, so I have to lean over the sink to raise this window. And uh, it's always been extremely hard to get up or down and uh I, I just don't know what to do with it. I, I think I've tried um, WD-40. Is this a wood window, Marcia? Yes, it's a wood window. So probably over the years, it's gotten bigger, swollen in its place, and it's gotten tighter in the jams. And pr- I'm, I'll presume with paint, too, over the years that that didn't make it any better. So why don't you think about a replacement window? I mean, look, we can talk to you about taking this whole window apart and sanding down the jams and sanding down the sashes and making it easier to use and replacing the cords and the balance and all that work. But I think this would be a good time to treat yourself to a replacement window. You don't have to do all the windows in the house. You know, you can buy a double hung replacement window in a home center today for a couple hundred bucks and it's a pretty good quality window. So you may want to think about replacing just this one window or in the alternative, you can pull the trim off, you can take the sashes apart, and you could sand them and sand them well. And that will make them a little bit smaller all the way around and make them easier to operate. And of course, also make sure that the balances are working. Now, if it's an old wood window, you may have cords or chains that go up and you want to make sure that they're still attached because that gives you a little bit of, a, of assistance as you open and close the window. Okay. Well, uh, I appreciate your advice. I'm uh I guess I'll have to invest in a new window. I, I think it's going to be easier than all the work it would take to get the old window working. And I'm all for easy. And that's why I suggest that. Okay, Marcia? Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Now, look, if you got these old windows, I mean, you can work on them and put eight, ten hours into a window, and sure, it'll be just as good as new. But why? You know, it's still going to be an old, drafty wood window when you can go buy a double-pane vinyl-clad window, replacement window that slips inside the existing opening and just have better energy efficiency and a window that really works. Tilt in to clean, you know, the works. just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're still going to have to reach over that sink. It's just going to be easier to work. Exactly. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mark in Wisconsin is having a gutter issue. Tell us what's going on. Oh, yes. Um, we have uh, uh, lots of trees in, around our house. And um, so in the fall, they fill up with leaves. And um, also we get pine needles and lots of acorns. So I was wondering what product you would recommend for curtailing that issue. Well, there are many, many, many different types of gutter guards, as I'm sure you know. You know, the the basic screening that we kind of all grew up with as the very first gutter guard is somewhat effective, but it's high maintenance because all of those, especially those pine needles, get right through that and end up having to pull the screens off to clean it. So one product you might want to think about is these type of gutter guards that essentially let the leaves wash off the gutter, but takes the water into the gutter. They lay on top of the gutter, they go up under the first roof shingle, and they work on the principle of surface tension. As the water runs down the roof, it comes across this gutter guard, and it goes over sort of a curved edge into the gutter, but the leaves wash off the type, off the top. There's many different manufacturers that make this but I've seen them work and work very well in most situations. If you happen to have a roof that has a a high pitch with a lot of force and that water coming down and a heavy rainstorm, I can see it also bounce right off of that and go over the side of the house, which you don't want it to do. Um, The other thing that you might want to think about is if you do choose to use one of the screen systems, make sure it's a hinged system. And these screen systems today have hinges so that you can lift up, lift them up every four feet or so, get your hand in there and clean out the junk in the gutter. Oh, okay. I, I've never seen a hinge system before. On the moneypit.com website, moneypit.com, we have an article called um, Cost of Gutter Guards, Are They Worth It? Tips to Select the Best Way to Prevent Clogged Gutters, which describes um, about a dozen different types of gutter guards that are on Uh, the market right now. So take a look at that, and hopefully that will help you out. Okay, sounds real good. Thank you so much. Well, chopping and moving firewood is hard work, hard work that can be undone very easily if you don't store the wood properly before tossing it into the fire. Yeah, now the key is to keep it dry. When firewood gets wet, that wood isn't going to burn properly. It's going to put out more steam and smoke than actual heat. Now, it's always best to store firewood up off the ground by stacking it on a base or on a firewood rack. And also, don't make this key mistake. I used to see it all the time when I was inspecting homes, and that is don't lean the pile of firewood against the side of your house or make it too tight against the side of the house because it will attract termites 
and carpenter ants, and they will shoot right into your house to extend their meal from dinner through to dessert. <laughs> yeah, it could be a mess. But you know what? Even though it looks so cute next to the house, just don't put it there. <laughs> All right, guys. Now, when you're stacking it, you want to pack the firewood snugly, but make sure you leave enough airflow to minimize the risk of mold and mildew. And don't stack it higher than four feet unless your rack or however you're placing it has side supports. Yeah. And by the way, even if you do have those side supports, you want to keep the top of the pile level so it won't collapse and fall as you're using it. And lastly, keep that firewood stored outdoors under a waterproof cover so it stays dry, and that will get that blaze burning much more quickly. 888-666-3974. Do you have a home improvement question, a reno question, a remodeling question that we can help with? Reach out to us at 888-MONEYPIT or post your question at moneypit.com. All right, now we've got Cheryl in Texas on the line who's looking to redo a bathroom and make it more modern with just a shower. How can we help you? Well, um, I am the mother of four sons, and as they get bigger, they no longer like to get in the bathtub. And <laughs> right. okay. we find that they are always in my room, in my shower. We're wanting to um, take out the tub that's in their bathroom and turn it into a shower. My issue is I don't have a lot of space. Um, it's a Hollywood bath. And then the tub and toilet are in a separate little room that you can close off. Mm -hmm. And the door facing um, of that little room sits right next to the tub itself. So my question is, is when I pull that tub out, the plan was to put, you know, a shower pan down and and tile the area and then put a a glass door, either a sliding door door on there. Um, Will that be a wide enough if it's only the width of a standard tub. Cheryl, I think you definitely can find a shower pan that can fit the width of that tub sort of elbow to elbow if you're standing in it. I mean, think about it. If you're in the tub, you're taking a shower, right? you got room on, on the, to the right and to the left of you. So we want a shower pan that essentially is the same size. Now, when it comes to residential prefabricated shower pans, they start at around 24 by 24, so that's two foot square. You know, that would be probably, you know, the smallest that you would need, but you might be able to go up even bigger. But a little trick of the trade, if you were to find, for example, that for whatever reason, the way this room is configured, a 24 by 24 would not work, then you should shop for a smaller shower pan, which you will find sold for RVs, recreational vehicles, because they have tiny showers in them, right? And there's a whole host of RV shower pans that are smaller than 24 by 24. I don't think you're going to need it. I think you'll be fine starting there, maybe even going up. But the size of the shower pan is what you want to figure out first, and then you can basically build around that. Okay? Does that make sense? Sure, sure. That's what I want to do. Okay. All right, Cheryl. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money Pit. Lori, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We have a Chamberlain one quarter horsepower garage door opener, and it has no remotes. We bought okay. the house as is, so we have no remotes for it. Also, it has a keypad on the outside, which I'm unable to use. So, my question was if I go to Home Depot or Lowe's, would a universal remote work, or do I have to call a garage door company out to sell us a Chamberlain remote and program it? Why don't you do this? Why don't you get the model number of the Chamberlain garage door opener, which is probably printed on the back of the unit, go to the Uh Chamberlain website and get the owner's manual for the door opener. With that owner's manual, you should be able to program the keypad. It'll tell you the right sequence to do that. 
And also, you most likely can find out from Chamberlain exactly which remote is designed to work with that unit. Now, Chamberlain's a very good company, and in fact, they have a new technology that's called MyQ. And the cool thing about the MyQ technology is you can actually uh, put this MyQ unit in your garage, and then you'll be able to open and close your garage door with your smartphone. So they're way ahead of the game on this stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, too. Is this one too old to do that? Um, I think it actually works on every garage door opener that was built after 1996, so it may not be. It might be fine. can't remember if it's 96 or 94. Yeah, it, it goes back over 10 years. Good. Okay, this, is, this one's about six years old. I think that's how I would proceed. I would not just go buy something and hope it works. I would do the research, and you'll figure it out. Okay, Lori? Okay, I'll go on the webpage. Thank you for the advice. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, for many people, the shorter and colder days bring on a case of the blues called seasonal affect disorder, and it can impact your mood, your focus, and your energy. Now, if that sounds familiar, here's one reason to smile. Many folks find that a few easy changes in your living space can spruce up your home and your spirits. Yep. So first, improve lighting. Now, one reason that sad effect, that sad impacts your mood is your body's response to the lack of lighting. So always look for ways to improve the lighting in your home. Update the light bulbs, remove or reduce window treatments, allow for as much sunshine to get in as possible. Now, you can also even pick up a UV light that will simulate natural light, and that can be helpful in making you feel much better. Now, you might also consider planting an indoor garden. Colorful flowers, even herbs can go a long way toward improving your physical and your mental health. Just make sure to choose a location that gets plenty of sunlight, since most vegetables need as much as six hours of direct sunlight every day to grow and to thrive. And to put a smile on your face from the front door, why not add some pick-me-up to that space and raise your spirits before you step inside? Polish the hardware, swap out a doormat, small changes that go a long way. New paint on a door or new hardware brings even more freshness to that area. And finally, don't forget to please the most powerful of your senses, your sense of smell. Citrus scents are known to energize and to rejuvenate, and jasmine and grapefruit can ease depression and sadness. Now, use the oils or incense or even candles to add that aroma to your living space, and you'll feel so much better. For more great ideas to spruce up your space for winter, visit moneypit.com. Cynthia in New York is on the line, and there seems to be a whole host of problems going on with this tile floor. I was going to start itemizing, but why don't you just tell us what's going on? <laughs> My house was built in 1948. It's uh, oak hardwood floors throughout. I bought 12-inch square ceramic tile from Lowe's in order to put in a uh, an area coming in from the front door going through the uh, foyer area. Last year, I installed, had it installed, and it was uh, during a heavy rainstorm, so the, the uh, repair people... Uh, uh, cut the tiles right inside my house and created tremendous um, cement dust throughout. And um, when the installers left, they told me that the grout should be sealed, which I did using a special spray can, and they said that, that they would return to finish on the edges uh, to prevent tripping, etc., because it was raised slightly higher than the rest of the floors. After a few weeks, I noticed movement of the tiles, and then a couple uh, cracked, and now all of the tiles move, and the crowd in the heaviest traveling areas has turned brown when I wet mop it. Uh, the rest remains white. Okay, so Cynthia, let me just summarize this. Essentially, you've had this tile down for less than a year, and the tiles are getting loose? Yes. 
All right, so the installation was not done correctly. The grout, the porosity of the grout, whether it's getting brown, red, yellow, or blue, I really don't care so much about because that's all meaningless when the tiles are not adhered well. So the problem here is that the installation sounds like it was done incorrectly. I don't know how they adhered the tiles. I don't know how they prepared the floor, but there is no way that tile should tiles should be loosening up uh, inside of a year and having all of these problems associated with them. So this is a situation where it really is the installer's responsibility. And if you can get that installer back, I think they owe you a new floor. Yeah. I, I can't stick one here and stick one there or that sort of thing. You're fighting a losing battle, okay? Because, you know, you had you saw it right away. They started to loosen up right away. Now it's just getting worse. And the reason the tiles crack is because they're not supported evenly underneath. So this all comes down to installation. If the floor was put down correctly, those tiles would be rock solid. And so far as the grout is concerned, yeah, I mean, you do seal the grout. It is it is a maintenance issue to maintain it. I'm not so concerned about that. It certainly wouldn't crumble if the tiles were, were secure. But that really is the issue. The tiles have to be removed at this point. The adhesive has to be pulled out. You may need another, another layer of underlayment. I'm not quite sure, again, how it was attached. And uh, if it's done correctly, though, it literally can last indefinitely. Cynthia, thank you so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, and good luck with that project. Andrew in Pennsylvania posted a question that I think a lot of people can relate to. I need to quiet down my home office. You guys, you probably never realized how noisy things were in your house until you've spent so much time in it. You all had home offices and nobody else was home. (laughs) Right, truly. Well, Andrew's writing, is it possible to insulate an interior wall without removing the drywall? I guess he's looking to help quiet it down. Yeah, you know, and he's making an assumption that a lot of people make, Leslie, and that is that insulation quiets walls. That insulation by itself is going to sound dead. And the truth is, it doesn't. You know, insulation by itself actually doesn't do very much at all. So you need to have a better strategy. So I'm going to give you a couple other things that you can think about. First of all, one way to do this simple way with existing walls is to put a second layer of drywall over the layers of drywall you have right now. And then in between those layers, you're going to adhere them with a special type of sound deadening adhesive that is simply known as green glue. And if you Google green glue for for sound, you'll find all the information on this. It basically creates that airspace between layers of drywall that helps to absorb all the sound. Now, the other option is if you were perhaps doing a new uh, installation is to add a product called Quiet Rock. And there are other products that are similar to this, but they're sound deadening drywall. So basically, the drywall itself is designed with a sound deadening system sort of built into it. Now, if you do have the wall framing exposed to kind of circle back to insulation, one type of insulation actually is effective in reducing sound, and it's rock wool. Rockwool has a, a version that is specifically designed to be a sound-reducing insulation. And I've actually seen this stuff being demonstrated at very loud places, and it does work pretty darn well. But to do that, of course, you have to uh, tear off the existing wall, the drywall that's there now, and, and pretty much start insulating from scratch. But regular fiberglass just doesn't do the trick. You need to use a specialized insulation or to double the drywall that you have right now. All right, next up, we've got a post here from Jim in Ohio. Now, Jim writes, my attic currently has blown in fiberglass insulation about five to six inches deep and is ventilated with soffit vents and an attic fan. 
I'd like to remove the fiberglass insulation and replace it with spray foam. Is it okay to apply spray and foam to the ceiling joists? And if so, does any of the wiring or ductwork or electrical boxes have to be protected from the foam? Well, Jim, I actually did this exact project, and the insulation that we had was actually probably close to six or eight inches deep, but it was in the floor level, and it was ventilated. And what we decided to do was left that insulation in that floor level because there was no really reason to pull that out. And then when we added the spray foam insulation, we did spray up and around and across the uh, roof rafters, essentially. And the reason we can do that is because spray foam insulated homes basically turn those attics, which are unconditioned space, into conditioned space, and you don't need ventilation. You don't have to worry about moisture issues. So that was definitely uh, the way to go. But before I did that, I did go through and secured all the loose wires and make sure everything was tidied up. And then we sprayed right on top of everything. So short answer is yes, you can spray over it, but I would take some time to tidy it up first. All right, Jim, good luck with that. Hopefully your attic will make your house nice and cozy. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope that we've given you some tips and ideas to take on the DIY projects you'd like to get done. Whether you are a do-it-yourselfer or whether you're hiring a pro, you can count on us to help get you started off on the right foot. For now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Hey!